Hi, this is Alana Terry. You're listening to Season 3 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This season's Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook is Torn Asunder, a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea, written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence, and sponsored by our Patreon community, which is raising funds for liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out how you can be involved and how you can also get regular Christian fiction ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes even paperbacks when you join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash alanateri. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you today's episode of Torn Asunder. Chapter 18 She heard muffled sounds outside her bedroom door and sat up, trying to remember if she had actually fallen asleep or not. It was before dawn. The chickens weren't even ready to awaken the world with their clucking. Hannah hadn't bothered to undress the night before, so she stepped out of bed, straightened her blouse, and tiptoed to the door. She couldn't decide if she should wait for Mr. Kim to summon her, or just go out there, so she paused at the threshold, waiting in the dark. She still favors her leg when walking, Mr. Kim was saying. She'll need to go slow. It was Quan's voice. Had he spent the night at the safe house then? A soft tapping made Hannah take a quick step back. Are you awake? Quan whispered. She paused for a moment so nobody could tell she had been standing there already, and then opened the door. Quan studied her face with concern and glanced down at her leg. Did you get some rest? It's going to be a long way. Mr. Kim had his back to her and was filling a small sack with rolls. He held the package out to Quan. Make sure she wears a coat. Are you ready? Quan held up the bag. We'll eat our breakfast on the way. Until now, Hannah had assumed Mr. Kim would escort her. She tried to hide her surprise. I, I think so. I just need... She eyed the back door. Quan shuffled his feet. I'll meet you outside in a minute. Hannah put on her shoes and made her way to the outhouse. Her leg was stiff, but not terribly sore yet. She wondered how long their hike would take. Most of all, she wondered what kind of man was waiting for her at the end of their journey. Quan avoided her gaze when she came out of the outhouse. They fell into a plodding rhythm which wasn't exactly easy, but at least Hannah could keep up. So you've known Mr. Kim for a while? She asked when she grew accustomed to the pace. You could say that. She noticed the way his shoulders tensed up at the question, and she tried to find another subject. What exactly is it that Moses does? Quan chuckled while holding a branch back to allow her to pass by. A better question is what he doesn't do. She hoped that wasn't the only answer she was going to get. After another moment, he continued. He's known for lots of things, depending on who you ask. Smuggling Bibles. He's got important contacts in Pyongyang. If a Christian leader is about to be arrested, he sneaks them over the border. 
A few times, he's even managed to freeze someone condemned to execution. She immediately thought of Simon. How's he managed that? Quan mopped his brow. Those aren't the kind of questions you ask. She kept her mouth shut. Fairly's sun lit up the sky in a brilliant display of more orange and red tones than she could name. The forest floor was mushy, and the earthy scent of decaying leaves wafted around them. Hannah felt her ankles swelling up slightly, but Quan was considerate enough to stay slow. She was sure he could bound up the mountain in a fraction of time it was taking her. As they walked on, they passed dry stream beds filled with dead leaves, and Hannah thought about the fall day over a year ago, when she first arrived at the Stearns. She had come to Yanji searching for Wung, the flower swallow from the streets who had disappeared one night while she slept. As her hunt led only to greater disappointment and brought her closer to starvation, she eventually stopped looking for him and focused on her own survival. She wasn't experienced, not like the Yanji girls parading around in miniskirts, but she knew enough to understand her safety was at risk if she didn't find shelter soon. Hannah's arrival at the Stearns was nothing less than divine providence. Three Chinese pastors had turned her away before one Korean-speaking minister told her about the couple living on the outskirts of the city limits. They are American. They have less to lose if they are caught by the police. With apologies for not being able to help her directly, the pastor gave her directions to the Stearns' home. Hannah closed her eyes for a moment and breathed in the thin, crisp air. The chill pricked at her lungs, and when she exhaled, her breath came out in a cloudy fog. She thought about everything she had experienced since last fall and wondered how a life could change so drastically in a single year. Quan stopped on the trail in front of her and shuffled his feet in the dirt. Are we almost there? she asked hopefully. Quan squirmed and glanced at his hands. I'm... I'm sorry. We need to... He looked around from one side of the woods to the other. Why was he acting so nervous? Had somebody followed them? He cracked his knuckles, and she winced involuntarily. You see... The cold air forced miniature tears to the corners of her eyes. They were too small to blink away. He reached deep into his pocket... The black cloth he pulled out hung limp in his hand. You need to put this on. The words that followed were so mumbled she wasn't certain what they were, but she guessed by his body language he was apologizing again. She reached out for the cloth. It was a mask of sorts that covered the entire face, but the two slits that would have allowed her to see were sewn shut with thick white thread. You want me to wear this? Quan didn't raise his eyes from the forest floor. For the first time, she wished she had told Mr. Kim she wasn't ready to get involved in underground ministry again. She was too young, her leg wasn't fully healed, and her time in Chongjin. Hannah had enough nightmares. She didn't want to go back. She'd find another way to help her compatriots. She'd speak in South Korean churches about the need for more Bibles— or go back to the Stearns and help refugees in Yanji. Her hand trembled as she put the mask over her face. 
Each time she breathed, tiny beads of cotton threatened to lodge in her lungs. She had no idea what she was doing, but she wasn't ready for it. She probably would never be ready. She remembered the darkness of her jail cell in Chongjin, and her body quivered against her will. Her ankle throbbed, and she couldn't take a full breath without breathing in lint. Quan pressed his hand into the small of her back. Are you ready? At first, Hannah couldn't decide if it was more bearable to keep her eyes open or shut in the crude mask. She blinked once and coughed, the steam from her breath warming her entire face. I'm ready. It was the first time she lied since leaving Chongjin. Tears of humiliation stung her eyes when Quan took her hand to lead her farther up the trail. Would God really lead her now to a ministry apart from Simon? Call her to a life of service while Simon languished in prison camp or some jail cell? If only she were imprisoned with him. If only they were together to share some encouragement, some support. What wouldn't she do for the chance to sing just one more hymn together? She missed the strong sound of his voice, his soothing laughter, his calm and quiet responses to all her questions about faith and the Bible. She didn't want to be here, out in the open, the birds chirping, the air cool and refreshing. She didn't want to be here with another man, a man who didn't know her past, who didn't understand her like Simon did. She hated questioning God's perfect plans, but the ache inside her swelled like a consuming flame as Quan cleared his throat and made a horrible popping sound with his fingers. We're here. She expected him to remove the blindfold so she could meet her interviewer face to face, but he just told her to duck slightly. He positioned a chair beneath her, and she realized the mask was to remain. The breeze was gone. They were indoors, but it was just as cold as it had been outside. The air felt heavy, and it was filled with a strange electricity Hannah didn't recognize. She took a breath to steady herself, but some more fuzz from the mask caught in her nostrils. I'll see you when you're done. Quan touched her gently on the elbow. Hannah sat up straight. You're leaving? It's for your own safety. She heard the snapping of his finger joints and the receding steps of his shoes, and before long, even those sounds were gone. She shut her eyes, which somehow made her feel like she could control the darkness around her. She stretched her arms out just a little to see if she could learn anything about her surroundings. The breeze flapped past. She longed for a breath of fresh air and wondered if someone could actually suffocate in this kind of mask. For a moment, she feared the entire meeting was a setup. What if Moses wasn't really coming? What if it was a member of the Chinese police force, ready to take her back to North Korea? She'd be at the Chongjin jail by evening. Her mind raced in a jumble of directions, with thoughts and fears flying haphazardly through her brain. She sat on her hands and tried counting slowly in her head. One? Two? If nothing happened by the time she reached ten, she would tear the mask off, regardless of the consequences. Three. Four. You must be Hannah. The sound nearly made her fall out of her seat. 
She had no idea how large a room she was in, but she felt the walls shrinking all around her. The stranger's voice was smooth, almost silky. "'You have had a long journey, little warrior.' The diminutive drained the blood from Hannah's brain. The steamroll she had eaten along the path sat like a stone in her gut, and she had to focus all her mental powers to keep it down where it belonged. A hand was on her shoulder, a hand that communicated both danger and power. Her instinct was to pull away, but her body refused. I apologize for such primitive hospitality. Hannah's ankle ached, her mouth was dry, and she was acutely aware of her chest rising and falling. If only she could lift the mask up and breathe normally. His fingers ran across her chin, and she sensed his hand was strong enough to snap her neck right there if he wanted her dead. There now, he crooned and lifted the mask just above her nose. The smell of rotting compost battled against the hint of strange cologne. Hannah didn't realize her hands were clenched to the bottom of her chair until her shoulders protested from the tension. Her mouth was free, but her voice was gone. She may as well have left it back at the safe house in Sanhe. Is that better? Her body responded to the softness of his voice by relaxing. Thank you. The words were out of her mouth before she even thought them. She still couldn't see anything through the sewn-up eye holes, but she felt his smile on her, and she was no longer nauseated. Tentatively, she took a few deep breaths until her dizzy spell subsided. Now. That one word, spoken alone as if it were a statement of extreme significance, revealed the authority of its speaker, and Hannah's body leaned forward slightly. She had never heard such raw power so densely packed into a single syllable. I understand you made a big impact in Chongjin. Not many girls your age could have kept silent through so much. She didn't want to think about Chongjin. I was only trying to protect the mission. She couldn't explain why she felt like she had somehow just betrayed Simon. Moses' voice contained the hint of a grin, but his words were drawn out so they sounded long and serious. Yes, your mission. I'm very curious about the training you received at the Stearns. Hannah's spine straightened, just a small jolt she hoped he didn't observe. She leafed through the annals of her memory. Had she ever mentioned the Stearns by name to Mr. Kim or Kwan or anyone else? The dizziness returned in full force, and she pressed against her temples in protest. Moses either didn't notice or didn't acknowledge her change in demeanor. So, you were one of those sent out from this so-called secret seminary, am I correct? Thirsty. Hannah was thirsty. She opened her mouth once or twice but failed to produce any sound. A moment later a hand caressed the back of her head, cradling her cranium, and a cool bottle was lifted gently to her lips. The liquid slipped down her throat. 
a tiny dribble spilled on her chin, and Moses wiped it away with a corner of his sleeve, making a kind of clucking sound like a mother might make over her sick child. His finger brushed against her cheek for a fraction of a second, and Hannah remembered the way she used to tuck the street children in with tattered rags or discarded blankets. "'I apologize.' Moses's voice filled the room. "'You have had a long journey. You're tired. This meeting must cause you a great deal of stress, the mask and the secrecy. Forgive me. I'm not—' Moses faltered, and Hannah couldn't tell if it was for effect or if he truly was baffled. "'I'm not used to dealing with people like you.' Hannah frowned, and Moses stumbled over his next word several times as if he were an awkward schoolboy. "'You're young, you see. Not that you haven't endured a lifetime of trials already. It's just that—' "'I understand,' Hannah interjected, not because she truly did, but because she felt sorry for him while he faltered. "'It's all right.' A blanket of warmth descended in the room, and a slight breeze carried the scent of pine. Moses laughed, not a hearty belly laugh, but a quiet, calming sort of chuckle that chased away the sharp prickles and nagging doubts that had oppressed Hannah since the beginning of their interview. You are a remarkable young woman. Hannah blushed and didn't even care if he noticed or not. She couldn't even guess how long the interview lasted. When it was over, Moses took her gently by the elbow and led her outside. He told her to wait for Quan, reminded her not to remove the blindfold, and assured her that he held her in the highest esteem. She thought back on their conversation and couldn't have said if they spent twenty minutes or several hours together. Shortly after Moses took his leave, Quan returned. Are you all right? he asked. She nodded, blinking when he took off the mask. The sun glared overhead. She shielded her eyes, and they started their silent trek back down the mountain. Their descent was even slower than their hike up, and Hannah had to stop to rest her leg every ten minutes or so. Quan treated her with great respect and patience, but she felt her spirit reaching back toward Moses. She thought about the Christian men who had influenced her in the past, Mr. Stern with his foreign accent and his emphasis on theology and book learning, Simon and his fiercely loyal and steadfast spirit. None of her past encounters had prepared her for someone like Moses. When he spoke to her, his words flowed like the Tumen River with the first melting of the snow, powerful, captivating, unyielding. There was also a hint of wildness, a suggestion of danger she couldn't quite explain. She wondered if this was what the New Testament writers meant when they said, Jesus spoke to the crowds as one with great authority. Even with her mask off, she was silent for most of the return hike and couldn't decide if she felt more somber or emboldened from Moses's interview. It certainly wasn't what she had expected. It started out so formal, so calculating. There was an almost haughty aloofness about him that came out more in his presence than in his words or tone. 
and then, as fast as a summer storm vanishes after drenching everything in its path, all that changed. She couldn't exactly remember how or when the atmosphere transformed, but the results were dramatic. Moses knew of the Stearns, and she found such sweet release to be able to talk to someone about her time in the secret seminary. He even asked about Simon, and Hannah's body trembled as she freed her memories. She told Moses everything, everything except about how Simon broke down under the weight of interrogation. She recounted the way he found her in the woods, the peace she felt when they were together. And Moses spoke of Simon as if he also knew him and loved him deeply. Other times he seemed content just to listen. He was so good at that, so good at drawing out the words Hannah's soul needed to communicate to somebody, anybody who would understand. As they walked down the mountain trail, Quan glanced behind at Hannah every once in a while. She was afraid he was going to ask her a question and break the peaceful, blissful calm that had overcome her soul. She let the fresh air fill her lungs until she was certain they would burst from fullness. She replayed in her mind all the instructions Moses gave her for her first mission. She was ready, and this time she wouldn't fail. Hey, where's that boy? Yeah, I thought he was coming back to tell us more about Moses. In the flickering lamplight, Simon saw the overseer glance anxiously at Mao Chin. Who was supposed to wake the new kid up? I tried to find him before bed, but I couldn't. The overseer turned to the other prisoners and scowled. Anybody see him? Nobody answered. Men fidgeted in their seats, and one scooted farther into the shadows. Was he at work in the mines today? Several faces turned pale. Simon glanced at the latter. I told you we shouldn't let just anyone in, the overseer hissed at Mao Chin. One of the prisoners jumped up, but Mao Chin blocked his path, folding his arms across his massive chest. Where do you think you're going? The prisoner tried to swing a leg over the ladder. What have we been set up? Mao Chin pulled him down by the back of his shirt as easily as if he had been a mere child. Maybe we have. But how is stampeding out of here like a herd of wild animals supposed to help? Simon's temple throbbed, pulses of pain prophesying his doom in the darkness. Mao Chin laid a hand on the prisoner's shoulder. There's nothing to do about it, brother. Maybe we were wrong to let him in. Maybe he was just a plant from the camp guards to get us to talk. But we don't know that. Not yet. I say we start our Bible study. Brother Simon, are you ready to teach us more from the Sermon on the Mount? I suggest we all practice the passage about worry. And those of you who don't want to stay, well, you can leave one at a time every five minutes, calm and orderly. Simon unclenched his jaw. Several of the other men relaxed, and a few moved closer to the ladder. Simon thought about the passage they were about to recite, when a shout cracked through the silence like the burst of a gun. His body went perfectly rigid, his mind momentarily blank, 
as a white light from the entrance above blinded his eyes. They're down here! At the sound of their own condemnation, a few men scurried as far back as possible. One ducked down and covered his head. The rest, like Simon, froze in place. Boots stomped on the rungs. Half a dozen flashlight beams sliced through the darkness like knife blades. An old man began to cry, and another prisoner recited the Lord's Prayer in a frantic hush. A man in front of Simon shrieked, "'Protect us, Jesus! Save us from these men! Have mercy!' His prayer was silenced in one loud, deafening flash, followed by the stench of burning sulfur. Mao Chin took a step toward the guards. "'Welcome, gentlemen. We weren't expecting you.' "'Shut up, Grandad!' One of the agents cracked Mao Chin's skull open with the butt of his revolver. The old man's body crumpled without a sound, like a coat blown off its hanger. The puddle of blood beneath him widened, the deep red a striking contrast to the olive green of the officer's uniforms. Someone yanked Simon up by the collar and bound his wrists behind his back. The cords cut into his skin, but he didn't fight back. His only thought was that his blood would soon match Mao Chin's, who now lay in a lifeless heap at the base of the ladder. Moses adjusted the collar of his shirt and scratched at the stubble on his chin. He had never relied on someone that young before. He had very little doubt the new girl was brave, but her age alone was a strong disadvantage. Absorbed in brooding thoughts, he made his way down the mountain and toward the Tumen River. Mr. Kim thought highly enough of her abilities, but even the old safe-house director didn't quite understand the kind of mission she was expected to fulfill. Moses had long since given up sleeping more than three or four hours a night, and he let the cool morning air clear his mind. He needed to be alert. He still had a full day of work ahead of him. Fording the frigid Tumen River was no problem at all. He could probably make the journey blindfolded. Even if he were caught, he knew exactly how to avoid trouble. He never crossed the border without his paperwork in impeccable order. A few minutes later, he arrived at his van. He got in, slammed the door, and put his boots back on over his wet feet. Revving up the engine, he wondered for the smallest moment if recruiting the girl was the right decision. Then he rolled down his window so the icy breeze would keep him focused and sharp. His pager beeped once, and Moses glanced at it without slowing down. When he read the message, he frowned and pulled out his large radio from the glove box. I'm coming in right now. You've been listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Today's episode is an installment of Torn Asunder, written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon community, where you can get regular Christian fiction audiobooks, ebooks, and even paperbacks, and all the funds that we raise go directly to Liberty and North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out more or get involved today at patreon.com slash alanateri. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.